All right, good evening, guys. Welcome to day two or week two of our marriage and family seminar. Uh, on behalf of my wife, I want to wish all of you a happy Valentine's Day. I don't know whether it's late to wish because it's 7 10, or maybe for some people too, maybe the, 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 the day is still young. The day is still young. So uh, let's get that out of the way. Last week, we talked on marriage and we compared definitions. And with a biblical one, uh, we saw marriage as a God idea than an invention of society. You know, there are many things we can credit to society. There's a place called Edison in New Jersey. It, it reminds you of Thomas Edison, who invented, I think, the light or something. No, so we can credit things to people. But one of the things we can credit to people is marriage. Marriage is solely a God invention, a God idea. And we looked at some truths on marriages and some privileges, and we rounded it up on talking about marriage myths. So um, this marriage is, this um, teaching on marriages on our podcast. So if you listen, I hope you'll be blessed, especially for those uh, who were not here last week. Today, we want to touch on um, a very testy subject, or if I should say a very touchy one, especially for tonight. It, it, it talks out on more rules and responsibilities. Uh, marriages struggle because there are too many viewpoints on that. You know, there is the traditional viewpoints versus the contemporary viewpoints. Sometimes there are a lot of theological wars on that. You know, um, there are some churches who believe in complementarianism. I, I, if you do remember when we were covering our, our series on the Book of Romans, I did talk a bit on that. A woman's supposed to play the supportive role, and that she's a complementarian. And then there are other churches that believe in egalitarianism, which is from a French word, which means equal. Uh, what the woman, what the man can do, the woman can do. It, it, it's brought the rise of female preachers and everything, which is still a hot button topic. I don't know if you you were following the news, but last last year, a, a mega church was disowned. Right by um, you know one of these um, big boards, this Christian Christian boss at Southern Baptist Convention. Why? Because he ordained female preachers. That's also he's been um, disfellowshipped. He's been excommunicated uh, from from the from the board. And I think that the pastor in response was saying he was going to take this to court and everything. But I stopped following. I don't know what's happening. So it's it's a big debate now. You know, and when these things are not sorted out in the light of a biblical viewpoint, it affects everything. Everything becomes real fuzzy. Amen. So we want to look at this. I do remember sometime last year, a very popular Hollywood actress, uh, she made headlines when she said she and her husband, a former athlete, they split everything 50-50. So I think it became a very hot trending topic on socials. Like, wow, so marriage is a 50-50, is a hundred, you know, so all, all that. And 50-50 in terms of bills, you know, because everybody is looking at the, the, the husband, the former, like this man is very rich and everything. So how come it's 50-50? But that was the case. You know, I've, I've also heard people like Steve Harvey is very strong on the traditional view on the man being the breadwinner. The man should be the head of the household. You know, you know. I hope you know there's a big difference between being the head of the household and being the head of the marriage home. They both are not the same. Being the head of the household has more to do with between the two spouses who brings the most income. That's the head of the household. And then the head of the marriage home, which is by design, all right? That one is designated by God. So I, I think he talks more about the man should be the head of the household in addition to be the head of the home and should pay and supply and do everything. Because he talks more on the traditional viewpoint. I think these clips, it always circulates somewhere around where he talks about that the man should do that. But um, all these concepts, are, are, are they feasible in today's world where women are more career-driven and rising in corporate circles. These are questions that sometimes gets a lot of discussions. Um, and all this, what does the Bible have to say about this? Before that, let me just read an article I saw 
I think it's very interesting. Um, I read this on. business finance and this was about this same issue no business insider i'm sorry and this was this same issue um the title of it is i make four times more money than my husband and he later admitted he was jealous of me being the breadwinner so basically this was a husband and a wife um when they got married i think they are 11 years into their marriage in the initial stages of the marriage, the man was the breadwinner and he did a very good job. And then the wife did a podcast and then also found herself in the tech industry. So she so she doubles. She works in the tech industry now, the IT industry. And she is also a podcaster. She hosts a podcast. So I think in all, she has major streams of income. I don't really know of her, but from the way she's talking, her podcast is well patronized, which has now become some sort of um, stream of income for her. So now she's making four times more than the husband. And she spoke about being the breadwinner, really brought a lot of contention in the marriage. I think they both, um, um, the husband actually became confused of what his role is, his responsibility, because now you are the head of the household now. And I think I want to read the last part you could um google the article but let me just read the last part communication helped us a lot we learned that yes marriage and the relationship are important but we are still very much individuals with individual desires that means asking how we can support one another in reaching each of our dreams Plus, I may be head of household because my pay stub says I make more money. So you see, talking about head of household, it's not talking about I'm the head of the marriage home, the household, the, pertaining to the income-wise. But for us and our faith, it's like God is our head of household. No matter how much money either of us makes, we are still in this life together. So it, it was very refreshing reading this because at the end of the day, they did not allow this to bring a wedge between their marriage, they, they rather they rather draw them closer to God. And if you read the article, they explain the steps and everything. So this is just the conclusion. So I think one of the big things was communication. Amen. So all these are concepts that we are grappling with. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. I want to speed through this real quick because today we are tag team and I also want um, Pastor Jessica to also minister from her viewpoint so that we, we it can be interactive. We can also have enough time for Q&A. Amen. Wives, I'm reading this in the message, so it might sound a bit different, but don't worry, just follow along. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Please understand, this scripture is different from Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Because when I'm talking about theological world, sometimes this is what happens. Some people have taken Genesis 3, verse 16 to be a very strong point on husbands being the head and the wives play a complementary role. And other camps from a theological aspect are also using Galatians chapter 3. What talks about in Christ, there is neither no male nor female and all that stuff. Who is right here? But when you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, it's, it's, it's important to mention that because we talked about Ephesians 5. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, when it talks about the husband will rule over the wife because of the curse, it's not talking about leadership. How do I know that? Because you have to look at the root word of that word rule in the Hebrew. It talks more about dominion or being domineering. And that was the case. So it's very different. So providing leadership and having dominion over a person are two different 
spectra. Okay, so a Christian man's model of headship in marriage is Christ. He should be your model. So when you are talking about the Christian marriage, where especially it comes to the role of a man, your model should be Christ. Not a Christian figure, okay? Because sometimes you might really get it wrong here. And, you know, you first and foremost lead by cherishing your wife and loving her, not laying down laws. That's not the first sign of leadership. The first sign of leadership in the Christian home shows by love, not by laying down laws. And we are not saying that laws are not important, rules and principles are not important. Let me even substitute the word rules and let me even use the word principles. We are not saying principles are not important, principles that undergird the sanity of a marriage. But we are saying that to show that you are a leader or, or you are practicing biblical headship, it shows by cherishing. It shows by loving. So let's read further in verses 25 to 28. It says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. Pardon me if I'm rushing, because I really want Pastor Jessica to also have a fair share of this. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says, it's designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with... I'm going to take a picture of our registration. Okay. Okay. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They are really doing themselves a favor since they are already one in marriage. So like I said earlier, husbands can love by looking at the model of Christ's relationship with the church. So let me say this. Every husband has a very, very high calling because we are following after Christ. And following after Christ is no mean feat. We have a very, very high calling. We are not to model our marriages after father, model our marriage after a biblical hero, model our marriage after a Christian leader that you may respect, but model your marriage after how Christ relates with the church. It's a very, very high calling. You know, some husbands model their marriages after pop culture, family or cultural traditions. Sometimes you see some people that will say that, oh, and you're a Christian, and you will say things like, oh, I'm from this uh, tribe. We, we, this is how we do things. In my tribe, we don't invest in the woman. We rather invest in our nieces and our nephews. Because when the woman gives birth, the woman is taking the child to her mother's house. So I have to invest in my niece. You know, like, all these are very demonic. Okay? Very demonic. Please build your marriage after Christ. Yeah, I find it funny that you say you are a Christian, but you have so many traditions and so many viewpoints by which you build your marriage. And, and that is wrong. And when you build your marriage on things like this, aside Christ, you are building on a shaky ground. You are building on a shaky ground. And the Bible lets us know what happens when we build our lives on shaky grounds. When the winds blow and when the storms come, your house will be fine tumbling down. Amen. So let's build our marriages on the rock of God's word. Husbands, our love, our love should be marked by giving. And some husbands, we, we don't do well in that area. You know, so they don't give anything. They are stingy and they don't they want to talk about headship. And sometimes this is a source of mutiny in marriages. You know, sometimes when we counsel people, one of the things I hate to counsel, I'll be honest to you, this marriage. I'll be honest to you. And my wife knows that. Maybe you don't know, so I'm just telling you today. Um, why not, you know, because it's it's it can be very dicey, it can be too complicated and, and all that stuff, you know. But the 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 the, the to, to get down to the bottom of things, most times the, the source of mutiny that 
has come to add this because sometimes what this guy is involved is the husband doesn't give. Basically, most times, if you look at the whole, the, you get down to the nitty gritties, the husband doesn't invest. And how can you reap from what you haven't invested? You know, so sometimes it becomes very dicey and it becomes very um, nasty. But husbands are to give. That is what Max says as leaders. So five things that we are to give. Give of yourself. Give of yourself. You have to give yourself to the marriage. If the marriage will work, that is a sign of leadership. Give of your time. Good marriage is spelled T-I-M-E. A lot of time has to be invested into the marriage. Invest. Invest time. Sometimes there are some husbands who don't invest time in their marriage at all, and they will be wondering, how come the marriage is not working? You have to invest time. Invest time. Invest time. And sometimes to invest time means you have to cut off some things. You have to invest your resources. Invest your money. Everything that you have invested into the mind. You'll be surprised at how many husbands have become stingy. All in the name of, oh, my wife works. But she works. Yeah, she works, but don't be stingy. Your, your leadership or your headship is marked by giving. Amen. Give love. Give love. Valentine's Day is only a day. It's not called Valentine's life. It's a day. 1159, that day is over. What are you going to do at that? Continue to give love. Feed it with love. And then give leadership. Give leadership. Amen. So now that we have a clear biblical defined role of the husband, does he have responsibilities? Yes, he does. So first and foremost, for us to understand responsibilities of both husbands and wives, we have to understand the peculiarity or the uniqueness of both spouses. We, we can't turn a blind eye to that because when we turn a blind eye to that, we are destroying the, the family fabric. Amen. So look how we may first Peter chapter 3 verse 7. In the same way, you husbands, I'm reading this from the Amplified, live with your wives in an understanding, with great gentleness and tact, with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. So you see, for you to have harmony in the marriage, please know about the marriage relationship. That's why it's important to read books and all that stuff. As with someone physically weaker, since she's a woman, Show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. I wish I could have time to really give commentary on this, but I'll just pick some salient points. You have to recognize the physical peculiarity of your spouse. She is physically weaker. But I like what Apostle Peter suggested. When Apostle Peter was married. He says, show honor and respect. Don't manipulate her knowing that she is physically weak. Don't manipulate her. Rather, show honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So this scripture makes us know, husbands and wives, we are all equal. All equal in the sight of God. Nobody is superior, nobody is inferior. But physically speaking, there are certain peculiarities that makes us unique. The peculiarities don't make one superior or one inferior it just makes us unique that's all amen so sometimes wokeness and liberalism will want to say something different but that's really not the case that's why personally let me say this personally i'm against you know transgenders coming into sports that are gender rules because we are not the same no, no matter how you want to twist it, we are not the same. Amen. Sometimes work people like to uh, make this like, oh, men and women are the No, men and women are not the same. Physically speaking, they are not the same. You've heard of USWNT, right? US Women's National Team. Best team. Every FIFA ranking, they are ranked number one. I think this year they are number two because the last World Cup Spain won. 
That's US Women's National Team. They are the best. They've won the World Cup four times. I don't think any country has won it three times. Germany has won it twice. But they are good. They met Dallas FC under 15. They scored them 5-2. What I'm trying to say is that there's a huge difference between man and a female. As simple as that. Happen on this doesn't mean that you are trying to make one superior and the other one inferior. You are just appreciating the differences that God has created the differences that makes us unique. And then when we blend it in together, we have a harmonious relationship. That's all. So with that said, we have to understand certain responsibilities. One, the husband is a provider. When you read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says that if you don't provide for your family, you are worse than an infidel. Every believer has to take care of his own family. So that responsibility falls squarely on the shoulders of a man. You have to provide. Am I saying a woman can provide? She can. But she's a support. Try and understand that. So as a head, you have to provide. Number two, you have to be a protector. When God commanded um, Adam his assignments, one of the things he said is in Genesis 2.50. We did that last week. Last week. Tend and take care of the garden. So you have to cultivate the garden and protect the garden. Man is a protector. You have to be a protector. Sometimes he protects by being visually present. Visual presence. That's a form of protection. You protect sometimes by defending truths. You know, and I could talk more on that. And number three, a priest. I like what God said about Abraham in Genesis 18, 19. God trusted Abraham because he knew that he would command his children and his household after him to serve the Lord and keep his ways. Can God say that about us? So, yeah, your wife may be, may be more spiritual than you in a sense, but as a husband who is the head of the house, a, a, a husband is the band that binds the house. You have to be able to rise to the responsibility of leading, especially your family, in the ways of the Lord. Amen. All right, so I just want to end here and pass the ball to Pastor Jessica, and she takes it over from here. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. That was, that was a lot. Um, so I hope um, you guys are just also taking down any questions. I just want to pause for that before I go into my portion. Um, have your questions, write them down. Your thoughts. Mr. So Jess, your voice is very faint. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I said, I hope, thank you. I hope you guys are having, uh, writing down your questions and uh, making uh, notes of anything that points you guys want to discuss um, later on, because we, we want to have room for Q&A. I also, I'm not going to also talk long, um, but there are some things, um, he did the husband, so I'm going to do the wife, roles and responsibilities. Amen. So I pray you do a good job. Okay. So I'm going to use the same uh, verse. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians 5. Um, and I was debating whether to read it in message or to read it in New King's James Version. But let's read the message version. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 29 to 33. Because I like the way it, it puts it. Um, it says, no one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church since we are part of his body. And that is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her and how each wife is to honor her 
husband. Amen. Okay, so the first thing I want us just to take note here, and it comes from that last verse, is um, so we're going to talk about um, two things here when it comes to responsibilities, and then we're going to go to roles. So wives, the first one, wives submit to your own husband. So under this, one of the key things that um, I wanted to mention before we continued is that it's specific. It says each wife has her own husband, which means that not the men are out, outside of your home. It's only your husband that you we are as wives. I'm saying that because I'm a woman and a wife. Uh, we submit to our own husband in our home. Um, why do I say that? Because I've seen this being misused uh, for men to mistreat women and have them do whatever that they want. Because then, you know, well, you know, I've heard so much abuse of women um, because of that, because we don't understand that it's our husbands that we are submitting to. That's one. The other part is what exactly submission is. That's another thing that has been misused and abused. Um, and sometimes we lack the proper understanding, ignorance of what it truly means for a wife to submit to your husband. And um, I like that Pastor Steve touched on the fact that um, we are equal in the sight of God because he created us that way. It is under grace that we are equal in that sense. But we are not the same. We don't function the same. And when we embrace and acknowledge the fact that we function differently, then we can appreciate our union much better. And we appreciate our union to the fullest. Amen. And I, and I believe that that is God's intention for our marriage. Okay, so I wanted to say that. So that's the first one. Each wife has her own husband. So wives, nobody is allowed to tell you how to dress, what to wear, what not to wear. Um, one second, I'll pause for a second. Okay, what to wear? Well, I, I've, you know, I can tell you from first, I, people have tried, other men have tried to tell me um, what, how I should wear my hair, what should I should, lipstick to wear or not wear. Okay, so, um, I never mind them because I know who my husband is. Amen. Okay, enough there. Next, um, so under this submission, right? I was I want to talk about submission. So, and this is gonna sound kind of like, but submission does not mean that we do every single thing our husbands say. Okay, I'm gonna let that sit simmer a little bit. Submission really means that we are coming under our husband's mission. Ladies, when we pick our husbands, for those of you who are single, pick the right one. Pick a godly husband who follows scripture and the Lord. These things are important. That's the top. Number two, you have to know your own value before you get married. What is God's purpose for you? What is your value? Do you have respect for yourself? Because this is why I think one of the that one of the reasons why we mismatch uh, people get mismatched in marriages um, because we don't look at our person that we're married. What's their mission? What's their purpose? Where are they going? Where are they heading? What are they thinking? What are their values? So it means that uh, that our values and priorities should be aligned with that of our husbands. Right. So um, what are his values? What is, do they match yours? This is uh, some of the things that need to be discussed before you get married. OK, continue. Our husband's values and priorities should align with God and the scripture. That's another important one. Do your husband's values and priorities align with God and scripture? Because that's what you're basically coming under. It also means, submission also means that we need to actually help our husbands. That is what we are there for. We are actually built for it. 
to help them because men need help in certain things. Some things do not come naturally to men. Um, it doesn't mean, and I was, I wanted to make sure that I said this, it doesn't mean that men are weak, men are less valuable, men are less talented. Absolutely not. Men are just are different than we are. Amen. I know sometimes some women have criticized men because of their differences. We are not to put our men down. We are there to uplift, to be emotional support. I'll talk about that a little bit later um, as part of our um, roles. So I won't say more. Okay, submission also does not necessarily mean um, that our God-given purpose will not be fulfilled. If we marry a godly man who listens to the Lord, your purpose and how God created you will fit in with his purpose, his mission. So we don't have to be afraid or scared. Some things definitely need to be discussed, share. You know, um, I talked about this with him not too long ago, that transparency is so important in a marriage. You should be able to talk uh, a lot, communication about a lot of these things and, and be forthright. You know, I feel like the Lord is leading me to start, um, you know, a small company. You know, like I had a friend who was doing um, wedding veils, you know, at home to make money, you know, these things, even, even the small things, you have to share them with your husband, let him know what you want to do. What does he think? Get his input. Because at the end of the day, he is a leader. He's naturally built that way. So he may even have things that will help you uh, fulfill that God given um, purpose. Amen. Okay. Um, let's see the next one that I have. And then we'll move into the um, roles quickly because it's 742. Wives, respect your own husbands. Respect. Um, we protect and keep our husband's integrity and character. This means we don't talk about our husband's weaknesses to strangers in order to tear him down. Um, but what we do is if you need a ear to listen to you and give advice, we have to choose a person wisely. Um, and in the end, it should be godly, constructive, and honest. Amen. That should be the purpose. Um, we have to speak to him in love, even when we are upset, at, upset or arguing with one another. Um, if you and, and we could talk about that if you guys have questions on that, how to deal with that. Um, I, I could also do a little one-on-one -on -one if you like on how, how to do that, because some topics are just really hard uh, to talk about. Um, the other thing under respect that I have is acknowledgement of his leadership. Um, you know, there's been times where I, you know, the way we handle finances, um, we, we, we do put everything as one, as together. And so even though I'm able to make a purchase on my own, especially if it's a big purchase, it's just a small example. I ask him first because that's acknowledging his leadership in the home. Because maybe he sees something that I may not see at the moment because I'm, you know, so like thrilled about getting this thing. But maybe he's, you know, on his side, he's seeing something we need to X, Y, Z. Let's plan for it. Let's wait, you know, this kind of thing. So um, that's that. Amen. Okay, so let's, um, let me do this in two minutes. The last one that I have here, and this is for um, roles. Uh, we are nurturers of our household. Wives are nurturers of our household. Titus 2, uh, 1 through 8. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but here it says, let's see, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And it goes on to talk about men also. Um, so big things here, love your husband and your children to be good, to be chaste, to be discreet, um, to nurture our offspring, to be emotional support to our husbands. You know, uh, because we see them as strong and as courageous, doesn't mean they don't have feelings, they don't have emotions. 
and we should, they should be able to feel safe in talking to us. They may not be safe talking to anybody else outside, but uh, we need to create that space. And I, I wish I had more time to talk about that, to create a safe place for our husbands, right? That's the nurturing part. You know, our husbands should feel uh, safe when they come home. They should feel like we are their home. Uh, they're a place to be transparent, to be honest with, to be heard, to be loved, and so forth. And this shows respect. Amen. And I'm going to close there. Uh, so I, I hope that some of this was, even though it was very quick, um, you guys uh, got something from it, from the combination of the two of us. But now we're going to open up for questions and answers. Um, if you guys have any questions, any dialogue, any input you would like to also share, the floor is open. Amen. I'm thinking you guys should have a lot of questions because I have questions and I have any. Okay, thank you very much. Um, that was interesting. I missed bits of it um because the kids were making noise. This is Lily's sister, by the way. Um I um I have a lot of questions. <laughs> but the first one for now, how do you um you know this whole submission thing is I don't know. I think it's complicated. So for a woman, how do you balance, you know, like calling your house, your husband out on, you know, like something he's done wrong? And I mean, when do you determine when to keep quiet and when to bring up an issue for discussion, you know, or um, um, when to just pray, leave it to God and pray that God will change him or change his mind? How often, you know, you don't want to come across as nagging, right? So you don't want to talk about every single thing. But at the same time, you also don't want to keep quiet over every issue. You know, right. so how do you balance that? So first, so I'm, I'm going to start here. Um, number one is always pray for your husband. It's a constant thing. Um, always pray uh, that he's making the right choices, making the right decisions, that he's seen clearly. You know, they're they're humans like us. Um, deception is always there. We're always praying that deception, that he would have strength, that he would have courage to do the right thing. Um, those are some prayer points, depending on the topic that you are up against at the moment as a couple, because even though you might think it's just your husband, it's actually both of you. And so uh, I would say pray first. Um, the second thing would be timing. If it's definitely an issue where you just, you know, the spirit of the Lord will speak to you. Um, and so if you feel like you'll feel it, it within you that this is not, this is something that I need to say something about. Um, you have to pick the right timing. Um, and form of communication also matters depending on, your husband's personality type has to also be considered. Um, if he's a quiet or introverted type, um, maybe messaging him might be a better idea. Like, listen, honey, however you call him, I need to talk to you about something that I've been really thinking and praying about. When do you have time to talk in a gentle tone? And then the other thing is not to call him out in public. This is something that we need to refrain from. Um, it's sometimes really hard to do at times, but we need to hold ourselves in public and wait for a private time to talk. You know, maybe you're at a, at a function and you didn't like the way he spoke to you. Wait till you get in the car. You could just be quiet about it. Carry on. Go to the bathroom. Pray about it. Come back to because sometimes some things are really upsetting. Um, and then discuss it in the car. I didn't like that tone. I didn't appreciate it. It wasn't right for you to do that to me. You know, um, 
you let them know that you should be respected as well and share how it made you feel because perhaps it also was not his intention. We also have to have that consideration. It might not have been his intention, but that's how you felt. And so addressing it that way. Um, your question is very, very, very big, uh, but I hope some of that helps. Amen. I think she said it all. Yeah. Um, every man and woman have physiological needs. The physiological need of a man is respect. The physiological need of a woman is um, protection. So sometimes it's not that men don't want to hear our issues, but it's how. So um, that that's it. But women are also very emotional. They feel, you know, that uh, uh, when it comes to um, levying a complaint or addressing an issue, men do that by logic. We say what we think. Women say what they feel. And sometimes feeling can go without bother. So sometimes that's maybe how it's been said and that timing. Um, let, let me say something. Every husband is not like a figure forward. Forward. We need to talk forward. You know, so maybe just replace that with we need to talk to maybe you know, moments of you know leisure or anything. You find a way to just fit in the issue. But sometimes let's say we need to talk. You wait forever. Yeah, you, that's you, true. you 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 wait you wait forever because every husband hears that. Yes, attack, criticism. Yeah, yeah. We need to talk, you know. So, yeah, that's the kind of that's what I would say. Next, it's actually had a series of questions. So. Yeah, I was maybe if you want. To. I was waiting for others to come in before. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, I can go with my next question. Um, how, well, I don't even know if it's your role to, but how do you help your husband? Um, um, maybe I'm not going to use the right words, but I'm not sure how best to put it. Rise up to his role as, you know, the head in every sense of the word. I heard Pastor talk about head of household, head of marriage. I'd never heard of that. I mean, I just thought, you know, we talk about head and it's one of the same. Um, but how do you help your husband rise up to his role as the head in every sense of the word, spiritually, in every sense of the word? You know, if he's not there yet um, as a woman, apart from praying, what concrete steps can you take to help him? Um, you don't want to come across as his second mom, <laughs> you know let's go to church let's go to church or read your Bible, pray do this you know let's plan towards our future all that stuff but how do you help him yeah so um practically i think one of the things is going to be respect here um, a lot of men who feel that are not holding their leadership is because they feel emasculated Okay, that's some, because leadership for men is natural. So when they're not flowing in it, it's because they feel unmasculine. So how do you repair that? Is by showing them respect. That's how they feel beloved. Okay. Um, and that's practical in the home. You know, um, not don't slander them. Don't criticize them. Um, talk to them in love. Tone matters. Um, th th that 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 respect. I wish I had a little more time. I would have spoken more about it. But respecting your husband's how you speak to him, um, his integrity and character. Not calling him out in public. Um, the testings will be there for it. He will be watching. Uh, you know, our husbands watch us, especially if that's a sensitive spot. Um, when we do that, we help to build him up again. Okay, um, that helps to build him up. Um, the other thing too is verbal affirmations. 
Okay, a verbal affirmations go a long way. So, and we want to be sincere in our verbal affirmations. I'd be like, if you see him do one thing that was really good, be like, wow, you know, husband, that you did really great. I I really like the way you handled that situation. You really took leadership in that, and I, it really ministered to me. This this will be like, oh wow, I did it. You know, it it boosts them up um, and lets them know that they're headed the right direction. Um, other things is um, send them a text, a scripture that reminded him, send him scriptures. Uh, today I thought about you. I want to send you this script. I love you so much. You know, this type of thing. Um, sometimes it's in the little things. Amen. That's powerful. You know, sometimes um, temperaments are key to this. So, for example, if a choleric lady marries a sanguine man, that is bound to happen. Mm -hmm. That's why when you're talking about marriages, you shouldn't just be fixated on temperaments. That's why we also have to talk about the fruit of the spirit. So, uh, the fruit of the spirit will balance um, these um, temperaments that are innate in us. So, for example, if you are a choleric lady, of course, you are driven to action, you are a leader. Such people, they might even have um, leadership positions at their workplace. And the extension of it sometimes can come from. So in, in these areas, you have to use a very soft approach when you are dealing with a man. Just like what she said, men are naturally wired or gifted in that area. So sometimes if he is not rising up to that task, it, it, it could be a trauma. It could be it could be a trauma. It could it could be something that has happened, you know. So we just have to find soft ways. That is the only way by which you will be able to deal with. If you deal with this very aggressively, you just push the man to the wall and then um it becomes a tough task. So um that'll be the best way. God bless. Just add it to what she said. It's good. Amen. Hi. Hi. Um, I miss a lot. So um, I don't know how to put my question, but my question is, um, it's something that um, I've been asking or praying about it. Okay, I have been married before and I'm not married anymore. And I asked God, I asked God to open that door again. But I want to, this question is, so it's something that I keep thinking if I had done something better about it. So with my ex, um, I studied him. I knew him. I know when to talk about problems. Um, I choose a particular time. I don't talk in front, I mean, I don't come. I really, well, I talk a lot. But when it comes to like an argument or stuff, I, I don't like arguments. I get afraid of actually arguing with somebody, whether my spouse or anybody. I just don't like arguments. So to create peace, studying him and the type he was, there was a particular time that if something was going on and I don't want or it's not going to help, I choose that time to talk because I realized that time was a time I can get to him. But my question is, every time for the uh, four years or, yeah, every time I had talked to him in that moment, that hour, that time, he don't talk back. He, yeah. he never talks back. And then he never takes whatever we, we I talk. So I'm only, I, I was always the person to talk. It's not that he doesn't talk, he talks. But every time there is something I have to bring on the table, he will sit still, he will listen and say it's okay. And then problem is supposed to be solved. Um, I ask people who have already gone into marriage. I had a lot of answers, but it seems like I was never 
able to break through that part. He will sit still, listen, and say, okay, so let's say I suggest something, and then I give reasons why it will help this marriage, and then he agrees, and he will say, okay, but he will never do the action in order to bring fruitful outcome. So in cases like that, what is a person supposed to do? Yeah, I feel like you have something to say for this. Um, this, this is a, a a very a very tough one. Um, when you read First Peter chapter three verse two, sometimes um, I think we should read it. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word. They without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And devs observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Uh, sometimes you can do all this and still you might not be getting results. So sometimes it might be more on the on the man's end. Um, the questions that we have to ask is that how much does the man give of himself to the man? That's why we say when you lead, you lead by loving. And, and loving is marked by giving. You, when you're a man, you have to give up some things. You have to give up yourself to the marriage. You have to give your time. So when your wife levies a complaint against you concerning things that are going on wrong, that could affect the trajectory of the marriage. If, if truly you are a husband who is really invested in this marriage, you, you will do something about it. So... I think that might also come more from the man's end. Um, the thing that sometimes when people go through a divorce that they will have to come out of before they enter into another relationship is to come out of condemnation. Because if you still have condemnation, um, that is not going to help the situation. And also it's past. You might never be able to know the man's uh, agenda or forum for why he may have acted that way. But um, scripture is always true that sometimes you might even say a word and they might not want to take the word, but through our standards, we are able to bring a positive outcome. So I think that's the little thing that I would want to say um, about it. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll add... I'll add some things to what Pastor Steve said. So um, the scenario that you explained, I don't see that the quietness was the problem. Um, the problem was in the response. Okay. Um, there was no action, no fruit. So when there is a spouse, because that could be a wife too, because it can be that way as well. Um, it's, I would say, the, husband, the, the person's agenda. What was their actual intention for the marriage? It might not have been the same as yours. So then we go back to um, what I spoke about earlier was values and priorities. This is something that definitely uh, we need to talk about before we step into a marriage. Now, I'm not saying that you didn't do that, but um, because sometimes people's agendas can be hidden, right? Um, and people are not always completely upfront with us in what they say. Um, and I don't think there's one thing that um, I want to make sure that I'm clear with is I don't think that this was uh, your fault per se. And like he, like Pastor Steve says, uh, remove condemnation from from that as you go forward, um, and and pray about you know wanting to get married again and, and opening that door, um, because sometimes things are uh, uh, kind of you will never know. But um, I will say that it's man's agenda, man's responsibility, and res to respond. So sometimes a man can be quiet at a table, but when you're discussing something, but it's not always a bad thing because they might be um, processing. 
correctly. Need to think. So you also, we also have to understand our spouse's personality and how they function as a person. Uh, the way my husband functions isn't the same way I function. You know, um, some people in general, because I know females that are like that, just need more time to think before they can talk and speak what they're feeling and what they're thinking. And they can't do it in the moment. Um, so sometimes just to give them space, um, if you do come across that again, um, and then watch for a response from them. Um, one of my mentors once told me um, that just because my spouse is uh, doesn't seem like they're responding doesn't mean that they're not going to respond. Does that make sense? So just because um, they're not saying something right then and there in the minute that we want them to say something or do something doesn't mean that they're not considering. Amen. So we should continue to talk about things and we should continue to do um, the right thing and be led by the spirit of God. Um, that we, Pastor C mentioned the fruits of the spirit. I think that we definitely need to function in the fruits of the spirit, both wife and husband, um, so that we can see the fruit in our marriage together. Amen. That's all I would say to Adam. My last question. All right, please. Okay. Um, this is sort of related to my previous question. So what do you do if, by God's grace, you have a sense of, you know, your your purpose, your assignments. But like I said, your husband, you know, still needs to catch up to his role. Um, and there are a lot of things that God has put on your heart or is leading you to do. Do you slow down? Is it okay to move ahead? Or do you think that will impact him and the marriage negatively um, will affect his ego? What, what do you do? So I would say you need to speak to your husband first. That is a definite. Um, and, and I don't think that you should necessarily hold yourself either and be scared because sometimes seeing you bloom will make him want to come up because men are naturally wired that way. Um, so... I wouldn't say hold back, but definitely have that conversation. Talk to him and talk to him um, about each part, especially as things begin to shift and move. Because the last thing that we want as, as we're shifting and moving, even as we're growing as people, is to lose our spouses in the shifting and the moving of marriage. Um, so and prayerfully consider it as you keep going forward, because God will work with you to work with your husband, you know. Um, and then as we bloom, then our husband will be like, wow, especially if we're doing it in a godly way with him, it'll wow him and it'll make him want to step up with you, you know. Um, amen. So I don't know if you want. All right. And, and also, um, if he is given to in action, uh, find ways by which you will make him feel like a collaborator so that it will not feel like a solo project. Yeah, I, I think with that too, that will also help him to get on board. Sometimes there are certain men who are given to in action because they feel like the magnitude of question is so looming and so dawning on me that this is not what I signed up for. I know I'm supposed to be the head I know I'm supposed to give a sense of direction, but I didn't count the cost of the magnitude of what I was about to step in. So sometimes when you say things like that, like this one, my purpose and sense, you'll be very aloof. He might probably say, go ahead. That means he doesn't support you. It's aloofness. Or he will just tell you to shut it down because you are tramping on his ego and on his sense of headship. But when you present it to him in such a way that he feels like I'm going to play a collaborative effort 
I think it will help him to rise out of his shell of inaction and, and then do that. Because every man, wired, naturally likes being given a sense of purpose. So it, it's also how you approach it. Amen. Yeah. But Pastor Steve, you know, I, I, I love everything you've both shared, but sometimes maybe the way you want to do it and... Um, I mean, it is your thing, right? You know, maybe something you're passionate about. You know how you want it to go. Or maybe God is leading you in a certain direction. And he's bringing other ideas that are, you know, he wants to support. But on certain decisions, you disagree with him. And you feel so strongly about A, you know, and he wants you to go B. And if you don't listen to him, then, of course, he might be aloof. But, I mean, you feel so strongly about that. <laughs> what do you do? Okay. So um, with the decisions that he is saying, that might probably be contrary. Could you find at least maybe at least a grain of truth in it that can support your decision? Because maybe to him, he is also feeling you don't value my counsel. So instead of just rejecting everything outright, just look at it that is there a grain of truth? Yeah. He might sound like a contrarian against these plans, but find out whether if there's at least a grain of truth in it, just a grain of truth. Because when that happens for too long, then he's gonna start, he's gonna stop contributing and feel like you are always giving me pushback. But even with what maybe you may perceive, like, okay, this is maybe against the ideals, the vision, the purpose, blah, blah, blah. Just find it in yourself to see if there a grain of truth. And maybe don't just give it an immediate answer. Maybe one of the best is, oh, okay, let, let, let me just think about it. Let's pray about it. And let's revisit it again. Then, then just saying something and then shut it down and say that, no, it's, it's not in line with the vision. So maybe that might be something you might want to look at. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. It's 8.12. I know we are past our time, but we'll just put three more minutes on the clock and then close. So 8.15, we are done. Amen. So if you have any final thoughts, contributions, questions, um, the floor is open now. God bless you. One one question. Yes. Please, I don't know if it's related. It's related to my questions are like almost mad married. I don't know, but anyway, in right. the Bible, God said, the Bible says, whoever married a divorced woman, um, I don't even remember what <laughs> it really says. So here I am, and I'm praying for God to open that door again, but. Now and then, that phrase keeps coming in my mind. Do I still keep going to God, even though he doesn't like divorce? Amen. So um, you have to understand, this is in relation to the quotation in Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. Now, that was Jesus talking under the law. Under the law, which was also inspired by Jesus. When you married a divorced woman, you had committed adultery. But if you read First Corinthians chapter seven, where the Apostle Paul looks at marriage now under the lens of the new covenant, that does not really hold, and that doesn't apply. So, if someone is divorced today, and if you married a person, you haven't committed adultery, considering that the other person is not tied or hooked up. Amen. So maybe one day we'll have to look at First Corinthians chapter seven, and, and thank you because Amen. this was under the law. So mind you, Galatians chapter four lets us know that Jesus was born in the fullness of time. He came under the law. So mind you, Jesus was not operating under the new covenant. He was operating under the law. So everything that Jesus would say was still under the law. You know, he didn't come to be at odds against Moses. He came to fulfill the law. So he also put parts of the law. So this was what was written for them. This was Old Testament. But when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 
when both of you are unhinged, irrespective of relationship status and when you get married, that is not considered adultery. Amen. Okay, the space is clean now. That's the best thing for us. Amen. Let's yeah. close with prayer. Uh, like I said, I, my prayer is that um, the prayer continues to be that this was immensely helpful to you, um, that it encouraged you, that it encouraged you to uh, also look at um, your per your own marriages, or if you're single and you're looking to get married, it gives you a prayer points and what to look for and what not to look for and what to stay away from. Amen. Um, so keep coming, keep thinking about it. We're going to come back next week with our next session. Uh, we'll still take questions. If you guys have questions um, that you thought of, uh, we'll take them um, at that time too as well. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, I just, we just thank you. We give you praise for the opportunity to share in an open forum, Lord God, like this with transparency, um, I pray for each and every single person th uh, that has joined and their marriages, Lord God, those of us that are married, that you will continue to be our Godhead, Lord, that you will continue to guide and lead our homes, Lord God, may we deal with each other with wisdom, with love, with knowledge, with your intention, Lord God, may we build each other up, Lord, in Jesus' name, and those that are looking to get married, Lord, I pray that they find a godly man, may it be picked by you, Lord God, for them. Lord, may you open doors for them in the name of Jesus. May you give them peace, Lord God, when they finally find that person for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Next week, we will talk to him and we'll be dealing with living life as married. It's one thing to have the relationship status of be married. It's another to live with your spouse as married. Okay, so... We're going to talk about that. So that'll be our last session. And then next two weeks, that I believe will be 28th, we will have Pastor Frank and Minister Bim who will be our guest couple. Amen. And Felicia, please read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 to 40. Anything you don't understand there, you could ask and we could we could have further clarification on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 to 40. It should answer your pertinent question or... Thank no, you. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you guys for attending. Really appreciate you all. Good night. Good to have you guys. God bless you more than a few. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's a lot. Lord, that's the sign. It's normally our work, so you can't respond. You never response. Bless you, Lord, for joining. Talk to you soon. Thank you.